Welcome to Footloose, the podcast where we chat with people living unconventional and nomadic lifestyles. I'm your host, Tim Bull, and I hope you'll join me as we hear stories from travellers from around the world. It was August last year and uh, we were on the boat in Labrion Olympic Marine and Kirsten posted on Facebook asking for advice on things to do around Labrion. And we said, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but not completely, come and visit us on our boat. And so later that afternoon, both Kirsten and her partner Peter came to visit us on Matilda, uh, and we had a great conversation. And as I've got to know them through Facebook over the last, ooh, you know, six months or so, I suppose it is now, it seemed like a, a great couple to have on the podcast, and I'm really pleased to have them here as the first couple on the podcast talking together, uh, Kirsten and Peter. Thanks for joining and, and being here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, so, yeah, perhaps just give us, everyone, a little bit of an introduction a, a, about yourselves and, uh, you know, what is it about your, your travel that makes this unconventional? Uh, you know, you're full-time travellers, right? Full-time nomads. Yes, we're, we're full-time nomads, uh, digital nomads. Uh, slow travel is basically what we chase after. So when we do our stays in that, it's usually... Uh, a month plus uh, with, with little vacation travel here and there within the journey that we are, we're on and such. So we started um, with the traveling about seven, eight months ago now. Uh, yeah, we started uh, July 7th. We left the United States um, and this process started, oh, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we had uh, separate houses. Peter, uh, when Peter and I got together, he was in the process of selling his his home and moving into an apartment uh, because at that time he had planned his one year sabbatical for world travel mm-hmm. for one year and then to return to Atlanta to build his business. Um, and I had previous designs on more travel. I was facing empty nest with uh, my youngest graduating high school the following year and I still had the big house. So um, more or less, um, I decided to sell my home and we talked about it and decided to travel together. And after we did some testing in the United States of how we would do together, um, we took a, a longboat key test for a week to see if we could work together, live in small quarters and, and enjoy the process of traveling um, as a couple and that passed. So we then decided to make it an indefinite trip. So we sold everything uh, that we owned. We have a, uh, we went from about 8,000 square feet between our respective homes to an eight by 10 storage unit. Wow. And last July we got on the plane and went to Greece for my bucket list uh, location we started with. Uh, for my birthday and um and then we've just been uh you know with COVID restrictions we've been traveling ever since but we do work part-time mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so i although i did retire i didn't all the way retire <laughs> she, she retired back in september yeah and then we decided 10 hours a week 15 hours a week of working helps pay for the habit mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. lets us live a little more of a lush lifestyle and um and, and peter also still works about uh, 15 to 20 hours a week so we have plenty of time to enjoy wherever we are uh, and like you said in a, in a slow mad uh, fashion so mm-hmm. I, I'm fascinated by this idea of test travel um, you know having having worked in you know extensively with with IT and, and and you know with projects you know to me testing is something where you set some very definite criteria up front about you know what am I testing for what does it look like when it fails um, you know, was it really planned like that or was it just, we'll just get together and if we're not killing each other by the end of it, that's okay. Well, <laughs> we took this, goals. yeah, we were in COVID, right? And Peter started out as my Corona Bay. So uh-huh. he was, you know, I, I just exited a relationship. I just wanted something light. He has been, he was a longtime friend that we met um, six years ago, mm-hmm. uh, six years ago on Monday. And uh, yeah, Valentine's, Day. Valentine's Day six years ago. Yeah. And we met and we decided at that time we were not, uh, we'd make better friends and dating partners for where we were. 
um, and our personal goals at the time. So we stayed in touch. We would go hiking together and, you know, he's a great guy and I was available and I said, Hey, you know, let's, let's see, you know, I'd like to hang out, see what's going on. And then COVID happened and mm-hmm. we're like, Hey, <laughs> let's spend all of our time together. <laughs> this is more than we were starting with, but here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Kirsten had like her, uh, like we each got letters saying that we were, uh, what, what were they called? Essential employees. Essential employees. And so we got around curfew. So, yeah. So <laughs> we were able to travel by vehicle back and forth to our places because we were essential employees. And so we, we extended that by also, you know, you know, the other testing part of it was not just as we were getting along, but if we could work from different places remotely Mm -hmm. since we are already working remotely uh from our homes okay well how far can we go working remotely and and still be uh successful in our productivity and such especially as a land surveyor yeah i mean talk about a remote job that's unexpected (laughs) (laughs) there there are different aspects to land surveying that that still uh, allow me to uh do do work digitally and such uh, I am yeah, surprised. So, so we did, Land surveying doesn't seem like something that you could do remotely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most of it, you know, full-on surveying. Yes, you do need to be on the ground looking for other people's property corners or, or the topographic maps. You need to be on the ground seeing what's out there. But there are other aspects to it. Uh, lean more on like the design side of of different things, it, it, and that's what I really focus on. Um, but yeah, so we were able to go down to uh, Florida, Longboat Key, spend a week down there in a condo, uh, and still keep our, as I say, productivity up mm-hmm. of uh, being able to be connected. So, so as long as we have Wi-Fi we, and connected to the servers back in the States, we can still function. And, and so that was the, the main big test before we did get, you know, on the airplane to Greece was we did Longboat, uh, we did, did Carolinas, we did It's about Tennessee. seven trips. Yeah. But also to go from being dating partners with separate homes to 24-7 living together in a pandemic with a lot of external stressors, you know, we were just being cautious mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, took our time with it. Even then, um, I mean, we were uh, traveling full time together within a year and a half of us starting a relationship. Wow. So that's. Yeah. And I imagine that that downsizing process actually, you know, if I think about that, that's got to be quite unique when you're doing that together. I mean, most people struggle, like we see that all the time on the um, you know, on the Facebook forums with people struggling with the idea of downsizing and they're just, they're living in the one house. You're, you're, you know, you probably have some unique advantages in the sense that if I think about this, it's like on the one hand, maybe without judging too much, not everything that's precious to you is precious to the other person because you don't have the history and the context of it. So maybe that makes it easier to be objective about it. But at the same time, you've got twice as much stuff to get into this small unit i think that makes it extra difficult i lucked out that peter had already moved several times so he did not pack heavy and um yeah the last house that i had it had uh shoot it had like something like eight or ten rooms in it or something like that you're right yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah yeah half of those rooms were, were basically i never opened the door i'd open the door to go vacuum the room, but nothing was in True it. True bachelor pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a bachelor house is what it was. Yeah. Um, but I, I still had my youngest in there that, that you know, helping out through the uh, high school and some first part of college and such. Um, but yeah, as Kirsten said, I had already downsized from two places into that house and then was already planning while I was in that house, not to keep it for very long. It was very temporary, just so that my, my youngest could get through high school. And, and basically after that, I downsized from that to a 600 square foot apartment. Uh, um, and again, that was still bachelor pad. So 
Mm-hmm. Then from there, three bowl, no, three <laughs> plates, one bowl, one fork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The start, that's our, the start of COVID before, um, side story here, uh, before COVID uh, hit, Kirsten and I started dating. And yeah, it, I only had like a plate, a fork, a spoon, you know, because I, I would go out to eat all the time. There was no need, you know, we didn't have the, the COVID. So there was no need really to sit at home and cook and such if I'm in a in place like that. So when Kirsten and I first started dating, I was like, oh, wow, I, I need to get like a second, a second, second set of forks. <laughs> or I, yeah, I go to his apartment, he's making me dinner um, for one of our dates and there is a bed, a desk, one bar stool. There's like one bowl. That's, uh, and one bowl. We had to share the bowl. Um, <laughs> It sounds like some of the Airbnbs that you come and visit. You're like, who needs yeah. one fork and three knives, but two plates? Wait, what's going on it, here? <laughs> it was very temporary. But it, yes, you were right that it was very helpful for me because I was in my home for 16 years. I was in that neighborhood for 21. I raised my children. Um, so I was selling the family home. And Peter was wonderful as an objective you know, person to come over, go through my closet, insult half my wardrobe and throw things away while I sat on the bed and cried. Um, there were things from the 80s. That there were not. Oh. needed to go back. I don't know. Back in fashion, you could probably recycle them for more money. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I made a killing. I mean, I sold all my furniture. $25,000 I brought in through Venmo just yeah. in this, my sales process. Wow. Yeah. It was paid for my trip. Um so, so that was hard, you know, and it, what's interesting is, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a big loss when you're, when you're changing, it's a paradigm shift mm-hmm. um, and you have to be willing to let go. So, you know, everything suddenly is, well, this is my child's first, whatever, or this is, you know, yep. Yep. you know, what do we keep? How do we prioritize, you know, artwork, the drapes? My wedding dress. I had my wedding dress. He had his wedding silver. And when we went back to Atlanta, uh, we got rid of both. So <laughs> out of storage. Um, but it was a good to do, you know, those multiple passes across the house and get it down um, to a more manageable space. That now that we are paying $150 a month on the storage unit, now we're rethinking. Because when you leave, you stop thinking about those things. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't miss my camping gear. I don't miss, you know, my artwork. Um, they, they meant something to me. And it was more of a commitment to when we stop traveling, you know, I'll have things. But then Peter says, we're paying for that mattress that I have in there three times over through, you know, the monthly rent. Um, so it, it does change your perspective. You hold on to things. And then suddenly when you're, you're in that next life, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's not in the forefront of your brain anymore. Um, and, and then you go back, you're like, why did I want to hold on to this? What was so important? Um, yeah, and that is interesting. And what Kirsten is referencing is uh, we went back to um, Georgia and Florida, uh, where, where we started out from. Um, about a month, month and a half ago. Thanksgiving. So, yeah. We were there for Thanksgiving. Okay. Wow. It's longer than that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, what, what she's referencing is, yeah, we, we at the beginning of our, our trip, of course, or adventure, we got the storage room, went on to Greece, Albania, France, you know, a whole bunch of countries, got back during Thanksgiving and we were like, well, we're going to look at the storage room, see what we can Get rid of himself. The wedding dress. The wedding dress, the silver. And, and you know, I get into the storage room and I'm looking through the ba- my bags because we bought these, these big, large duffel bags with the store clothes and such. And I'm just looking through them and I'm like, why did I keep this stuff? You know, e- even, even like, you know, five months into our travel now that I'm looking at that and I'm, I'm looking at stuff and my youngest was there helping out, just moving stuff around. And I was giving him bags. And I'm like, Seth, go through this for me. If you want something in these bags, take it. If not, I don't want to know about it. Just, just throw it out, donate it. 
And, and you know, he took, there, there's still quite a bit in that storage room, but he took quite a few out that- um, That he'll probably then throw out, but we feel better. Out, but I, <laughs> yeah. I just, I won't miss it. I, I seriously won't miss it. So, I, I think when you're in the process of downsizing, you get to a point where like, I just can't do anymore. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it, you know, it wears you out. First of all, you know, if you, you have to change your uh, mindset of you're gifting things to other people, or in my case, I was selling everything. And then I found people that were in need and I selected families to donate to specifically. Um, so I could feel like some good was coming out of it. And then after a while, you're just over it. And you're mm -hmm. like, I'm going to put this. I mean, I was, a, you know, against the, the time crunch, my house was sold you know, they were moving in and I had to get out. Um, and it, it, it's interesting. You just get to, you just throw it into storage and like, I'll deal with this later. Um, I know other people brought in um, estate sale people mm -hmm. to just get rid of everything. They would go away for a weekend yeah. and then come back to an empty house. Should have done it that way. A lot less stressful, <laughs> um, but it, it, it's, it's a control thing, right? This is your stuff and our stuff is in a box and the box is a house. Then you put it in another box called a storage unit. I mean, well, it's, it's a it's, mindset of boxes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the logical side of it, but you have to talk about also the emotional side. Yeah. That, you know, we, we attach ourselves to, you know, as humans, we attach ourselves to stuff. Yeah. Like, like, you know, little knickknacks here and there. We're, we're like, okay, oh, I got this when, when Seth was like, you know, three years old and such. and. And you know that that same thing that I have so much emotion over. If I I were to show that to Seth, he'd be like, "Why? So, why did you keep this? <laughs> this is <laughs> there's no reason for that." And, and so we take pictures of things, and then that's yeah. you know, the, yep. we don't need the stuff, but it is you know, I mean, it's typical for American culture, you know, to be stuff focused. That's why they have shows called Porters and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, it's it's changing the mindset and saying, you know, it's the memory that I'm attached to, not the item. Take a picture, keep the picture, be done. I have is Very Marie you know hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, I have my um. You know, the cards Peter gave me that I feel very attached to, and I took pictures of them. I kept the cards, though. They're in the box. But at least <laughs> I have pictures of them. So if I want to refer to things that, you know, yep. make me, you know, happy, I have it on my phone. So um, there's ways of doing things. Yep. But, but I think a lot of irreplaceables are like the pictures, you know, um, for my children before it was digital. So now when we go back, we're going to box up our pictures and send them off somewhere to be digitized. Yep. Right, right. And, 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 you know, on my side of the family and such, you know, um, my, both my kids lost their mom uh, six, seven, seven years, years ago, ago now. And, and so it's like all of her stuff from either her childhood or adult years and, you know, uh, things that I felt that she would have kept. It, it's those things as well that, mm -hmm. that I know eventually not right now in my kids' lives, but eventually they will want that to, to go through and such and, and you know, have that memorabilia of, of their mom. So there, there is that stuff there. And that's, that again, that goes into the emotional side of it, of like, you know, do I really need to keep this? Well, yeah, there are a whole bunch of scrapbooks that she put together for the kids as babies and such. And then as they were growing up, and uh, uh, so I'm like, yeah, those need to be kept. But you, there, you got a lot through of this. Right? You got through this. You, you managed to um, go through that, you know, challenging process. And then at the end of it, you came down to, what, two suitcases, two carry-ons? Like, what's your travel now? You, when you move around now, you're not lugging a storage unit with you. Correct. It, it's still too much. It is the two 24-inch <laughs> suitcases, two carry-ons and two backpacks. Um, and there's people that do it with less. Uh, and, and I think we're going to whittle it down another level, but we also are packing for three seasons. Yeah. So, uh, but we're finding that there are things that we just don't wear um, yep. and that you can buy on your trips, mm -hmm. unless you're in Greece and your body shape does not fit the, the Greek body shape and you have to go to a wedding and you have nothing to wear. That's why so. you go to the Latin country so that it fits your body. For short people. <laughs> but it, 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 
I, I would say, you know, we hold on to, you know, you always take more than you need. You figure it out as you go. It's not a big deal. Yes, you're going to a foreign country, but they have stores. They sell stuff. Mm-hmm. And we bought things and then we leave them behind for the host. You know, so yep. there's things that we do. With that. But yeah, I was we, saying about in terms of that's something we end up doing as well, often buying, yeah. you know, even in this Airbnb we're in at the moment, you know, it's, it's short of, there's a point at which you stop asking your host and saying, can I please have a spatula? And it's just like, I'm just going to go buy a damn spatula and yeah. I'm just leaving it for the next person because I don't want to take the spatula with me, but for the sake of two euros or three euros, I'd rather just buy it and have it and use it now. There's a euro store, dollar store everywhere. And, you know, we like leaving the places better than we found it in terms of here's your cheese grater. And, but it's, it, it, again, it's the stuff, this is temporary. You know, we're here a month. It, it's, we can live without a salad spinner, although we miss it. <laughs> but, uh, okay. And so, right, you packed up, you've got everything, you've got your, your three, four, five suitcases with your bags, and you've arrived in Greece. Like, how was that? How was that sort of moment for you starting on this journey? I mean, that must have been pretty exciting. <laughs> oh, oh, I got this one. I think Kiris is going to say the same thing. Yo, you're going to tell no, me? No, no. I was, I, so at least for me, as I was, <laughs> <laughs> as as we were flying into Greece. So I grew up in, in Salt Lake City, Utah. So it has very unique mountains. At least I thought out there <laughs> and and there's uh so we we're flying into greece and i'm looking out the window and i'm like we're in utah <laughs> this place just totally looks like the same and it's because it's sort of like an arid climate with not really tall trees uh you got like in, in utah salt lake city you got the great salt lake which is you know a salt water body and such and you know mediterranean is the same thing high content of salt so yeah, that, that was my thing, e- even though, yeah, okay, there's the Acropolis there, there's, there's people speaking different languages, of course, you know, Greek and that, and, and, but it was, it was still, it reminded me so much of Utah. I didn't feel like I was in another place really. That didn't at least we're looking me. at the Acropolis, <laughs> we're looking at and the Acropolis. he still says, I don't feel like I'm in a foreign country yet. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the houses were like very similar to, to what was in Salt Lake, and I'm just like, Yeah, this, this is that, that was a little disappointing for me because I was really excited. So, I actually am a little more well traveled than Peter. <laughs> Uh, I think Peter's previous experience was Mexico, Canada, and yeah. Guam. Uh, yeah. a- a- and I had been around Europe and uh, done a bunch. And I was really, it's like, you want to share this? And I was really excited. It was like, I want to see this through his eyes. I've never been to Greece. He's never been to Greece. It's, it was both on our bucket list. And it's like, I was waiting for some level of excitement from my partners. Like, you know, look what we're doing. We're living big. We're living life abundantly. We're, you know, doing this amazing adventure. And he's looking around saying, yep, looks the same. <laughs> just just <laughs> like back it, home it, in Utah. <laughs> right. I, I think he did not feel like he was in a foreign country until we hit Turkey. Uh, Albania. Albania, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that's where they, the... Um, the architecture is very different. Now. Mm-hmm. Architecture is very different. And then you also have the uh, intermixing of the Islamic and Christian faith up there. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, at least, the first time I hear... You, you know, on movies, I hear it all the time. You know, if I'm watching something in the Middle East or something like the that. Call the call to prayer? Call to prayer, exactly. Yep. So like, we're up in Albania and we're having dinner. And all of a sudden, you just hear the blast of the call to prayer. And it's like, well, that's unique. I've never heard that before. And, and it's starting to finally kick in, you know, okay, I'm definitely now an adventurer, definitely on the journey and I'm feeling that. But, but yeah, Athens, not so much. It felt like that. No, totally, totally I, I, I think we do it differently. Um, you know, first of all, I felt, you know, it, we picked what was available at the time. True. Because of COVID. Yep. Greece was the first country to open. So um, we had limited options. It opened, we're like, we're going before the rest of Europe goes because Europe was still closed down. So in Greece is the common summer place. 
we also were not aware of the temperature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Pretty and well. we also will make some plans going forward about chasing 72 or more moderate weather. Um, also for people that are just starting out on this type of journey, it's probably better to begin in an English, you know, English speaking mm-hmm. country or a language you're familiar with because there is no, a lot of overlap with food. Um, and you are trying, so, you know, when you arrive at the airport, you know, you have to have some basic language skills and it is, it adds a layer of stress. You go to a store, you're looking at pictures on the items. So you know what they are, which does not always work. That was was (laughs) true. Yeah. Yeah. That was good stuff. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) because the pictures, yeah, <laughs> so, and, and that's that, um, that is definitely um, part of that experience. And uh, you know, speaking with other people on the podcast about that, like it's different when you're living somewhere, right? Like you're going to live there for a month. It's different if you're just there for a week. If you're just there for a week, you're probably not having some of those experiences, right? You're probably not going into the supermarket. You're going to a taverna every night, but because you're there for that you know, that month, you're going to be cooking meals, you're going to be trying to find things. And it's at that moment that you realize that, oh, this is in fact a completely different culture with a completely different approach to food. And all of those things that I thought that I would find here, they're not here. (laughs) They're called something different. They're different brands or they just don't exist. Yes. Lemons don't exist south of Mexico. Um, We cannot find yogurt in, in uh, less than $10 for a package. Uh, in Greece, it was, you go without. Salad dressing, we learned how to make our own salad dressing because there is no packaged salad dressing um, yep. in Greece. Uh, eggs, took me 45 minutes to find in the store because they sit on the shelf. Mm-hmm. They're not in the it's dairy. So yeah, yeah. Yep. so it, it's, it, Americans are the unique ones for that because we wash the protective layer off and you mm-hmm. know it's no longer shelf stable at that point. So it, it's interesting that, yes, yeah, so by the time the month is up, you know where your favorite butcher is, you know where to get your fish. These are all separate stores. You don't go to a grocery store and get meat and fish and cheese. Those are, represents three, four different stores, the fruit and veggie market. And then it starts all over again. So it's, you know, we like slow travel because we can spend, you know, it's a hard week the first week where we're learning everything, where to go, you know, what's good, what's not. And then you have three weeks to enjoy it with a little more ease and less stress. Um, I'm actually, we're talking about going even a little longer and doing two months just to make it a little more less stressful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because pack day is hard and, you know, doing a lot of um, different cities is it's, it's that learning process. And if you're working, you know, you're using some of that time to research for your job. Yeah, so. it's, it's definitely, yeah, uh, the reconnaissance of it and and, uh, and trying to figure out which place you're going to go next. And so all that is like a second or third job Yep. Uh, because it takes so much time to try to figure out, okay, what, what is this country's regulations, you know, on the visas, on COVID? Um, do we have to test? Yeah, do you have to test? What forms do you have to fill out to get into the country? How am I going to time the tests so that I can get that within 24 hours to hit that airport to make that deadline yes, there? Yes. And but do they do they require onward travel? It's it's a it's a huge list. It's not a huge list, but once you start doing it, 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 it is stressful. It's definitely stressful. And, and then you want to be present to where you are and enjoy where you are. And then there's guilt when you're trying to plan the next place when you're trying to be present to where you are. So yeah. it's not like we're going home and planning our next vacation. It's a, it's, it's a definite shift. Um, it's I'm on my, I'm living home is where we are at the time. So we're in Panama right now planning Peru. So, which means we're not outside enjoying Panama for these next few days. Cause we're finding Airbnbs for Peru. Um, but that benefit of slow travel is, we did spend a lot of time enjoying where we are and we can work and we don't have that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, we also choose destinations and we learned over time to not have busy destinations back to back. So, you know, 
Paris was bookended with Albania um, and uh, Turkey. So mm -hmm. Paris to Turkey was busy. But then we did Costa Rica, which was very relaxing and not a lot to do because we yeah. picked a part of Costa Rica that's very remote. Uh, we were in Montezuma. And then we had a month to just be. And then we came to Panama and did some stuff in Panama City. But Boquete, where we are now, is just more of a, a bee being trip. You know, we're, we're here. And then we're, the next go is going to be a busier trip, which is Peru. And so that, we find that helps. Yep. And I think um, that's really important because, you know, sometimes something people ask sometimes, they're like, oh, how, how do you, you know, what do you do? How do you fill in your time? What are you doing all the time? And I, I don't think people always appreciate that when travel is your life right like <laughs> your life is travel that sometimes you just do things like you do back at home you know it's okay to find that moment to just sit down and watch netflix in the evening like people often ask us <laughs> what do you do on a boat all day it's like mm, a, a lot of the normal things you do at home you know we get up we have breakfast we you know we might sit down and watch some tv in the evening yes we go to exotic locations and wander around beautiful islands and we spend all ridiculous amount of time fixing the boat but you know there's a lot of times it's, it's kind of just like being at home but being exotic right with out the travel yeah. to get there you know? yeah we find it frustrating because you know we, we spent what 20 plus years developing long-standing relationships back in the states um and they their mindset because they can't wrap their head around what we do um because we're more of outliers right so they're like all right well we'll see you when you get back no or you know they don't call they don't return phone calls because they don't want to bother us because we're on vacation so then we have to take a little more of the effort um and call them and talk about the laundry that we do and the shopping that we do and that our life is exactly the same as it was in atlanta except our backgrounds change and we we, we see new things just like we did when we were in Georgia, where we would go on trips. So it's, but it, it's harder for them. So we've actually spent a lot of time, I have, because um, I'm in charge of the social side of our, 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 our adventure here, um, meeting other nomads. It's really important to create a network of people that support your lifestyle um, or that are aware of it, because you do get worn out with asking you know, the same questions, but where will you live? Or, you know, when are you coming back? Or where are you going to go when you're not traveling? Or, you know, and when you have nomad friends or people that are, you know, share this lifestyle, they don't ask those questions. It's, you know, hey, which country do you advise for medical tourism? Or where would you go that's non-Schengen? You know, mm -hmm. what would mm -hmm. you, you yeah. know? What, what are the cool places that you've gone at this place that we are going, you know, next month or something? So like it's that. more of a mind share and it's a lot yeah. more yeah, empowering. And, and, and it, it, because it's when you're constantly trying to explain something to people that they don't just, their mind cannot, it's not their dream. So they, they can't yeah. wrap their mind around it. it. It does get a little, it wears on you. So I think one of the biggest benefits, and you know, we're in groups that we, like the one we invited you into, go with less. Um, there's people in different phases. Some people are planning this lifestyle a year from now, three years from now, some people are already in it. And the collaboration and modeling success, you know, makes mm -hmm. it a much better, um, I guess, process for us because we're already navigating a lot of issues with COVID um, mm -hmm. and limitations there. So I think all the mind sharing we've been doing has really, you know, helped us with some speed bumps and, you know, uh, we, we were able to uh, move around some things a little bit better with other people's experience. So. And, and you were, right. um, when you moved to, sorry, Peter, but when you moved to Greece, or not moved to, but traveled to Greece, um, obviously, you know, the way in which you reached out and met us, this is already something that you had in your mind, right, that I need to you know, I need to do this outreach. I need to, to try and connect with the, you know, fellow travelers. It's you, you were already in your mind, not just doing this by yourself. Right. So I think it's really important to leverage social media 
So you can use it as a time suck or you can use it for leverage, uh, kind of like they say in Atomic Habits. So as I was preparing for this trip, um, I changed my feed in Facebook land. So I unfollowed a bunch of things and everything was reflective of my personal goals. So I, had, I joined travel groups. I'm in like 10 different travel groups. I'm in a bunch of fire groups, which means financial dependence retire early. Um, I'm in at least 10 of those. So everything I see in Facebook is either travel, health, or financial freedom. That's all I see. And those are the people I network with. So every time as I'm approaching a new country, I join the expat groups for that country. It'd be a little different without COVID because we would be much more involved um, with local culture. We'd be, you know, we, we try to make one friend per country but we are social distancing. We are self-quarantining still. So it would have been a much different experience um, if we not have that. So uh, yeah, you reached out. We were actually at a wedding in, in Greece. So that was one of our goals. We have quests for every country that we go to. And one of the quests was we want to go to a wedding in every country because that would exemplify local culture. And we happened to have been invited to a wedding in Greece uh, on Sunyan which brought us to where you were. And so we had, we had a rental car and some time and, and here you were saying, come to my boat. And why not? I was like, what could happen? I mean, you did see that movie where people went below and you know, but. Uh, <laughs> um, Fortunately, the boat's no, not that big. No. <laughs> <laughs> you just acknowledged something. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's um, I think, over the next year, as the health situation hopefully subsides, you know, our um, interactions with local people are going to be a little more in depth than they are today. Um, I love but that. But we do. Yeah, sorry, go on. You do. No, we do join the expat groups as well as, I guess, local social groups, you yeah. know, um, because expat groups are just, you're meeting fellow travelers um, or people that have relocated to that place but it's still not, um, it does not really speak to the local culture, more of the melting pot of what's, yep. you know, has decided to be in that culture. Mm-hmm. I love that quest idea, right? Like I love that quest idea. I, I also have quests when oh. I travel. Um, not weddings, I'll be honest, but uh, how's the wedding quest going? And you've been to well, what, well, with- three or four countries now, five countries? So we keep on we keep on getting uh, not invited to them, but uh, we, we just happen upon them. Okay. Like we're walking the, the streets of um, shoot, was it Paris, and a Turkish wedding just popped up right in the middle of the street there in front of us, and so we just sat there just enjoying. You know, they were doing the dancing and um, uh, they had the bride out there, the groom, and, and you know. Goodness, probably like 50, 60 people just in that little area. Um, we were just in uh, Panama City. Yeah. And Kirsten's like, hey, we're taking a, a kind of a, a self-guided tour of the, the uh, Casa Vieja. Casa Vieja. And, um, and she's like, okay, this, this church here is on the list of places we need to go. And we pop in there and there's a wedding going on in there. I mean, there were a lot of people in that one, 100 plus people. It, it's one. a harder quest because so. of limitations from COVID. You know, Greece mm-hmm. went from, yeah, says you, yeah. you can only have up to 100 people. And, you know, as you know, a Greek wedding is more of like 1,000 people yeah, plus. Thousands you know, of people. And there, goats yeah. are involved. Yes. Um, but we, <laughs> but so if they have to knock it down to their top 100, we don't make that list. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a harder one. I think we'll pick back up. Um, you know, when the health situation subsides a little bit more um, and things tend to loosen up. But, but uh, yeah, we have other ones. Other quests, yeah. We'll, we'll, some easier ones that don't involve COVID. Uh, we've got like the squirrel quest uh, because there are 100 plus species of squirrels in the world. No, more than that. More, uh, more than that. We more. saw the white squirrel, the black squirrel, the black brown squirrel, the red squirrel with the black stripe, the yellow squirrel. Black stripe, yeah, yeah. Yes, seven countries. Yeah. There, there's still like the calico one, the purple it's one. Purple there's, one. There's, there's a lot out there. But we, we also have, that's more of one of our sillier ones. I'll admit that. 
But we have like the sand quest. Um, For the colors. Yeah, we, we have like, a, a, we did a, a music uh, quest of, of uh, one of the songs. Oh yeah, the uh, Longbow Key one. Talking about yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's a fun one. Um, the, um, the, yeah. Pina Colada song. Pina Colada song. I can't remember Escape song. So we were, so we were going on a trip and he's like, we're going to do everything in the escape, in the escape song. song. So we found like a bar that was O'Malley's bar. We drove up there. Met at noon. Got there at noon. Unfortunately, they were closed. That's another story in itself. But we'll, we'll get that uh, uh, we went and we found a place that had pina coladas. Got caught in the rain. Got caught in the rain. Uh, we did not do the sex on the beach because sand, sand flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't need those. Um, our, our bits and pieces don't need those. Um, Let's see. Uh, but so, yeah, so we took something everything. you probably only try once in your life. Yeah. And, and it's something else that like, as we're traveling along, and, and I, we sort of lost this as we were going from Costa Rica to, to Panama, or even maybe a little bit further back, that, that we're, we're, we're forgetting how to play, how to entertain ourselves beyond sitting in front of the TV or, or in front of the computer monitor. Of, of what can we do to keep our minds also in that framework? Because adventure, this journey, that, that is a part of it. That's a big part of it, is the exploration, the creativity, the, the imagination that comes out of it, the, the play part of it. And, and so, you know, doing the escape song or, or looking for the squirrels or something like that, it keeps our mind, you know, in other places other than, than, you know, being at work all day, even though we're, we're traveling and so. Um, well, and like we're, we're not tourists, we're travelers is one of our friends pointed out to us. So it's, nice. it's a distinction that's important and also to lead with curiosity. So these quests kind of, you know, yes, they're, they're entertaining. It's a different level beyond tourism. It's, um, it, it just provides a little bit more interest into us. Um, and we, we create all sorts of them. Um, and, and I think it's, it can be fun and different ways to look at culture and to play with it and um, to keep things light. And, you know, because, hey, when you, you know, as another friend pointed out, um, when you've seen the art, when you've seen, eaten the food, when you've gone to the museums, what's next? Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, what, what's fulfilling? Um, and so we look at our quests, we look at opportunities. I'm examining right now ways to um, impact, you know, um, local areas that we visit, uh, maybe through volunteerism, things like that, that we're comfortable with. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it can be, it's very exciting life, but you also, it can be very hedonistic or it can be fulfilling in other ways. And we're yep. looking at the other ways. Um, and then obviously the other, you know, thing that we've encountered is how does one do 24 seven in a healthy way? You know, you're traveling with a person. So a lot of people do this solo. A lot of people do this with their mate. You're in close quarters. You're, you know, spending all your time together and you, you still need to remain separate. And that's a little challenging in COVID times. Yep. Um, and, and when your scenery keeps changing month after month and you don't have the, a lot of relationships. So. Yeah, that is such an important kind of concept for people to think about that they don't, I don't think that they realize, which is you know, at some point when you travel somewhere new, um, we, we take, take Athens as an example, right? Obviously when people come to Athens, they want to see the Acropolis. Um, if you yeah. go to Egypt, you want to see the pyramids. If you go to Paris, you want to see the Eiffel Tower. Once you've started to do a few of those things, I think you still want, I mean, the need to do them doesn't go away, but to some extent it becomes a little bit, Karina and I often joke and we say, oh, it's more old shit, right? Like it's just, it's, 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 <laughs> it's yeah. And that sounds so incredibly site. Looks like a construction site as we look at the Acropolis. <laughs> and yet to be fair, the Acropolis has been a construction site for the last year. Um, and that seems incredibly dismissive of, of, you know, places with a very rich heritage and culture that they're rightfully proud of and that millions of people go to see. But at the same time, you know, honestly, now for, for me, 
like your quests, for me, it's trying to find the best coffee shop in the town. And what does that do? It gets me researching where do people go to drink coffee? What are the what are the best independent coffee shops? I'm going to go down that dark alley because there's an amazing coffee shop at the end. Uh, some of the best places we've visited in Athens are places that I like to say no tourist in a million years would ever go. And, and that's yes. perfectly fine. And I would never tell you to go there. Like I would say, if you were here for three days, do not go and visit the 2004 Olympic site. It's basically full of crumbling down old oh yeah we wanted Olympics to see that but we venues but it's super cool <laughs> it's like no, it's during cool. lockdown we loved it we went back there three or four times right like it was really quite interesting and it it tells a whole different story about a place that as a tourist you don't get to experience but as a traveler maybe you get to sort of unpick and start to dig under the covers a little bit yeah, because you have time. It's like I, I always tap into Atlas Obscura. Mm-hmm. Hey, what weird shit is around here? We do that because, too. Yeah, I love you know, that one. You're going to see the top 10 things, and most people are only in a city like Paris for five days. Most of the you know questions I get are, hey, I'm there for next week. What should I do? It's like, really? We, we're there a month, and we barely scratched the surface. But yeah, Atlas Obscura gives that other layer. It's like when we were in Panama City, we went and saw Einstein's head. Why not? There's a giant Einstein's head in Panama City. Okay, I had visions People of see something the completely different there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll, I'll go on your, your line of, uh, um, of of tourist attractions compared to what the locals go to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like if you're if you're looking at those restaurants. Most of the time that I'm going to a restaurant, we are trying to avoid the touristy ones uh, because we, we want to enjoy our food, not, not just a greasy slab of whatever the tourist restaurant is serving. Or what they think Americans would or, or like. What, yes, or what they think so yeah, let, from the United let's States. Let's not make it spicy because they can't handle it. <laughs> or, or, yeah, without any flavor or just that it's... it's uh, been in the fryer for way too long because that's apparently what people from the United States like. Uh, but yeah, to try to go to those restaurants that the locals go to, that um, whether you see only indigenous people there or only people who speak Parisian, but not French there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, and I think they would argue people Parisian Paris French is only- slightly different from regional French. So that's fair. <laughs> So we like going to where, you know, live like a local, you know, where the Occidental, you know, it's, you know, tourist spots are crowded and it's it's interesting when you go and you are, you know, at the Acropolis, I can pick out a New Yorker and I'm from New York. It's like, wow, they're loud. (laughs) (laughs) And and you're sitting here, it's like, they're really loud and do they not shut up and can they enjoy what's here? And it's, it's, there's certainly a lot of ethnocentric people that go visit other countries. And you, I think when you, when you're doing this life, you become more aware and more respectful, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we call it old shit, but no, I, I agree. I do think you get much more respectful. So moving kind of then ahead. So you've been traveling around. um, What's, two things I'm interested in to kind of wrap it up and bring the time to a close, but how do you go about, how do you go about that negotiation and planning where you go next? Is there a really long-term process or is, is, you know, what's involved in that? And then following on into that kind of, you know, where do you see yourselves in say five years from now? Is that even possible? But (laughs) notice I'm looking at him. (laughs) I have that advantage. Uh, (laughs) I can see your video. You know, (laughs) <laughs> you know, okay, so so when, when I, I first, you know, started developing, you know, a few years back, um, this, this concept of, of traveling, you know, of, you know, being a nomad and such, and I, I'm taking the nomad from, from something else, but, uh, uh, and applying it to, to where we are now, but, you know, a few years back, yes, there, there was sort of this plan of, okay, I'm going to go to this country, this country, and then over here and, and continue on. 
and, and spend X amount of time here and there. But because we have the, the um, interesting world that we live in with, with the pandemic, hopefully becoming an endemic and, and going away soon, the, the past few months of travel have been what are the restrictions of COVID uh, in this country or that country? Who, who has the restrictions? Who doesn't have the restrictions? That has been... Some countries are even blacklisted for travel. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. If, if, we, if we travel from Panama to... Uh, shoot, I can't think Europe. Of yeah, yeah, some <laughs> parts of Europe. If we travel from this country, even though we're United States citizens, to some other countries were banned from those countries. We'd but have if, to do 14 days in the United States. Yeah, yeah, either mm -hmm. if you were to fly to the United States or we fly over to Colombia, stay there for 14 days, then we can go off wherever we want to. Um, so, so there has been that restriction. A, a lot of those countries that I initially wanted to go to were, were cut off the list because of uh, the pandemic and such and, and their restrictions uh, of getting into that country. So, but the original list you had was for just you. This was not a two-person trip right, when you right. first thought about it. So right. that shifted as well. Yeah, yeah. The shift, um, and yeah, we can go over that. Uh, the shift of not just being an independent person, but yeah, sharing a life with somebody else, and and deciding with that person where to go next or, or how to get there. That is, um, and even when you're there. You know what? What you know? You have to talk to the person and such, and communicate. Hey, where do you want to go today? Or hey, I need some alone time today. Or hey, you know, that's getting a little off topic. But um, uh, so so when we plan it, I think for Europe when we're over there, it was more of by like word of mouth at first. Of, hey, you need to go visit this country here. Not only is it no restrictions, but there's some cool stuff that you need to check out. Um, that, that was Klaus and, and yeah. Dea talked to us. About Albania. Yeah, about Albania, where, where Dea is Because we were supposed to go to Cyprus, but Cyprus ended mm -hmm. up having shut down and um, was getting blacklisted for travel. Right. So, so um, I'm trying to think the other ways that we, we Look at it. The, the other thing is, is like, say for Panama or when we went to Turkey, that it was a, a social visit. It was a, hey, Kirsten's either found some people that she's been chatting through uh, Facebook and that and, and making friends with, with other nomads and such. And so with Turkey and Panama here, Turkey was definitely a social visit with a couple of couples out there. And then with, with Turkey, or excuse me, with Panama, it was uh, um, with the couple here. And so that, that's another way that it has guided our travel is, hey, we've made friends with some people. Let's go mm -hmm. visit them in this country. Which is a cool and, concept, right? To make friends yeah, with people yeah. that are also traveling in around the world and, and similarly on boats, right? You bump into them from time to time, passing ships in the night. You have a great experience for a few weeks and then hope that you meet up with them again in the future. Exactly. And that, that puts another uh, dynamic of flow into this adventure, in, into our travel, not, not just picking a country because there's some type of monument there that we want to go look at, but it's like, oh, well, there's a monument there and we can go meet up with some friends who exactly have the uh, same depth. common thought pattern and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it adds depth, much like a horse. There you go. So, there, I mean, I guess what I have to say on it is there's constant need for adjustment. So, because this is a different lifestyle, so there's frequent check-ins. I mean, you did daily check-ins, you know, what did we do right? What could we do better? Or what did we learn from today? And for every location we did, hey, what, would we come here again? What would you like to do next time? What did we miss? Uh, what would we do differently? What did we learn? And that's, so originally it was, hey, it's my birthday month. I choose Greece. I want to be in Santorini for my 50th birthday. Peter's birthday month, he wanted Paris. Um, so sometimes it's taking turns and sometimes it's 
uh, common items on both of our list. Sometimes it's been uh, to see friends. It's very interesting because we found that this travel has been very isolating because of this, you know, the health situation. We're, we're self-quarantined, so we're not as social. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm more on the extrovert side. You know, Peter's more on the introvert side. So we have different needs for social interaction. So as I've been building my network, yeah, we've Turkey was not on my immediate list. It wasn't on my top ten or top twenty. We had a blast Same. there. You know, going for two weeks to hang out with three other couples. Um, Panama was never on my list, but I had a you know another couple, and they were here for six weeks or yeah, almost two months. So it was. It adds dimension. It changes the conversation. Changes the dynamic. I have girlfriend time. You know. Um, you know, otherwise our conversations become very much, not in a rut, but we're like, where do you want to go next? What did you learn? What do we need to, you know, do, focus on? Did you book the tickets? It changes the conversation and it's nice to share the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we look very much like having the, the different conversation. And to the point that we'll even have like date nights where we Zoom call with other couples somewhere else in the world learn about where they're at, their experiences, and at least have somebody else to talk to, you know? Um, so that's, that's been really helpful for us. Um, but no, we're still working out. We've, uh, we're seven countries in and we're still working out. How do we decide on the next, you know, is it, um, this was my, it's like picking a movie on Netflix. I got to pick the last one. It's your turn. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's that sometimes it's, yeah, we're even, you know, batting around the idea of maybe taking a separate trip here and there um, or, you know, a girl's trip or whatever. He does a high adventure trip, something that I'm not interested in. So we're, we're kind of working through things as they come um, and trying out all the different options to see what fits best for us. Yeah, so I think that leads into your, your sort of uh, next question of where do we see ourselves in like, in the future, in five years and such. And, and I kind of have to put my hands up on that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not 100% question. sure. Yeah, because it, this type of travel is so dynamic. Um, whether it's the pandemic, whether it's going seeing friends, uh, if, if we are getting tired of a certain... Uh, type of menu, uh, you know, of certain types of food. Maybe we want to go to another place with different types of food. Um, Do we ever want to have a home base? Yeah, but uh, uh, so so that part, that question is challenging to say. Hey, where are you going to be? But on the other part, other side of that is is the very I see as a very positive side of it, that it keeps the travel fluid in a way that we can be dynamic and jump from spot to spot. So maybe we don't plan out the next 12 months to five years of exactly which country we're gonna to go to or visit. And maybe that does bump up the cost a little bit as well, because we're not you know, trying to get the lowest flights uh, amount and such for, for the jump to each country, but it, it leaves it open to have it so if somebody, you know, one of our family members calls us up and says, hey, I have a vacation coming up. Where are you guys going to be? Uh, well, you know, next month we're going to be at such and such place. Come on with us. Um, or, or a friend calls up and says, hey, I'm going to be over here in this country for a month. Oh, okay, cool. Why don't we join you and such? So I, I think, yeah, there's, there's, that is a, that's a hard question for it's, me it's to answer. Question, but um, I, 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 if I kind of read between the lines on what I'm hearing here, which is that uh, you still see yourself living this kind of lifestyle. If I turned this around a little bit and said, where don't you see yourself? Like, do you see yourself back home in, in Utah, settling into a family home back home in Utah? Like, I bet you there's a long list of places that you can go, I don't know what it is. But it's not that. And for, for us, <laughs> we don't know what it is, but it's not Australia, right? Like, it's not going back right, to Australia. Right. 
So yeah, no, yeah, th that is, uh, yeah, you sort of answered it on, on that last part. The United States, it, it most likely will not be the last place that I want to go to. Um, when, when we went to, to Paris, uh, the first day, you know, I turned to Kirsten. <laughs> I turned to a person named Karen. No, I, I turned to Kirsten. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, this is the place that I want to be. And, and it's like the second day we were in Paris. Same thing. I didn't turn to a person named Karen. I turned to Kirsten. <laughs> I'm really wondering who it is. I know. And, and I was like, no, this is really the place that I want to end up at. And, and, you know, through the month or so that we were there, yes, we were seeing the tourist sites and such, and we were staying most, mostly in, in uh, uh, Paris proper and so. But it's like each day that I was there, I was like, I really want to move here. I really want to move here. And on the, uh, on the other side of that, I've been to some countries now that it's like, we never want to go back. We nope. never want to go back to this place. Nope. So, I mean, it is, you know, we did lead with the intention when we started this. There's going to be a time where we're going to slow down or stop. And, you know, we're, we're 50 and 45. So we're in the middle age. Um, but there'll be a time maybe, you know, where we're going to want to retire and have a home base. Um, and we need to, we want to find out where that is, where home is. And it could be the United States, like the Pacific Northwest or whatever. It could be some other place we fall in love with. It could be France. It could be, you know, there's a lot of factors like healthcare and language and our families. Um, but we're also in that very unique spot where we're the, the sandwich time where we have children in college and aging parents. So we're also not waiting for a shoe to drop, but something could happen at any time where we are recalled back to the United States to spend a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. and, um, and also with whatever happens with our children as they make their own families, our, our needs may change. Um, but right now we have that precious window of maybe three to five years where nobody needs us. Kids are safely ensconced in college. They're busy. Um, our parents are healthy. Um, so it's it's that golden sliver of time that we have. Um, and I don't know what it looks like after that. Um, I mean, it's, you know, my intention is we'll, we'll figure it out together. And, you know, there'll be that place that just speaks to both of us. Um, yeah, where yeah, we're going to want to be. That's, that's what I'm first saying is that, you know, we, we've, we've run into couples that have gone to, to countries or certain places and they're, they're like, this is, this is where we need to live. You know, and, and maybe they're, they're young couples and such. And they're, they're like, this is the place where I want to end up at. This is, what, you know, and they're buying property and they're you know, buying a house and such there. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, that's very possible. Well, for, for Kirsten and I um, to run into that same thing of, you know, that, that, that yes, as Kirsten was just saying, one of our goals was to, as we're traveling, see where we may want to end up at, see where we want to live, or buy the house, buy the land, whatnot. Um, kind of the, um, the epic quest over the top of all the other yes. quests is, is fun. Yeah, I mean, we have friends that weren't expecting, you know, that were just started on their journey a couple of years ago and they ended up buying, uh, they're buying a house in South Africa because the money's right. It's a good home base for other parts of the world they want to explore. Is it a forever? No, but it might make, it might be a point where something makes sense for us. Um, and I do see us probably stretching out the travel. We talked about getting a one-year visa. Um, you know, when you start this and you just like, there's 195 countries in the world, you kind of want to see a lot of that. Uh, not all of it, but there's a long list. You start there. And then I think there'll be a period of slowing down and savoring certain countries at a deeper level and maybe spend a year or six months at a place. I, I don't think we're so addicted to novelty where we have to be constantly on the move and a month is too long. You know, um, I don't see that 
Excellent. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that's a that's a great place to to wrap this up. I love that that vision of you know exploring the world and and just that that idea that finding that that country that that place that's right for you. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. I really appreciate you giving me your time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Footloose. Feedback is always welcome at Timbull on Twitter. That's T-I-M-B-U-L-L. Catch you next time.